this morning. Come on, give Jesus some praise. So good to be with you. And I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you that join us on the other sides of computer screens and tablets and phones all over. I was just having a conversation with someone. They told me they followed along online for weeks and weeks and then finally took the plunge and came and visit us here at Five Stones Church. And we are so glad when you do. We always say it this way, if you can be in the building, be in the building. Something powerful happens when the people of God meet together. And I recognize some of you are traveling this week on fall break. I know I've talked to several of you that have said, hey, Pastor, I'm going to be out uh, this It's okay. We're excited for what God has for you today. Thanks to the miracle of modern technology, you never have to miss not one Sunday. And on that note, next Sunday we finish up, we wrap up the series that we've been in called uh, It's Time, that we've been talking all about the fact that it's time. It's time to walk into some of the purposes and the plans that God has for us. We've been saying in this series that God has got some incredible vision for your life that he wants you to know about. But we've said that, that in order to reach that, in order to be experiencing what God has for you, there's some things that you probably have to put down, some things that maybe you've been holding on to and, and you might want to walk around. And, uh, and we've talked about those things, things like negative minds, sets, right? Dealing with the difficult and painful past, unforgiveness, and, and how to handle stress. And if you missed any one of these messages, I encourage you to go back online and watch them because I, I really get passionate about this point. Uh, and, and the reason why we're, we're passionate about it, they're like, why have you guys spent so much time on this topic? Because this is going into five weeks. Next week will be six weeks on this. Why are you, you focused on we, we get really passionate about this because we believe that everybody here under the sound of my voice is somewhere on a timeline. God has got you on a timeline, right? And, and, uh, and you'll find yourself somewhere. And it, we, the way we like to say it around here at Five Stones is that we want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then make a difference. And so you're somewhere on that timeline, and it's our hope that, uh, that you do ultimately find out a way to make a difference, not just here at the church, but in your community and in your family. And, and, and so that's probably a question I get asked probably more so than, than a whole lot of other questions is this question, how do I do that? How do I make a difference? How, how can I know that I'm doing what God has called me to do and making a difference where I'm supposed to make a difference. And uh, I, I think the easiest, probably the direct, most simple answer that I can give you is, is to echo what you heard Ariel say, and that is right after service, jump on board in Next Steps. Today is step three. We're talking all about the teams, the different teams that, that, that the, are, are operating in the church that make Five Stones happen every single week. We'd love for you to find out a little bit more than that. Uh, and that right there will give you instant fulfillment. Because your life will be fulfilled when you see it's in the service of other people. But today I want to also offer you another thought about that. And, and, and the thought kind of stems from this idea that we have got a God who is speaking to you. 
You know that? That, that we have a God that speaks. In fact, I've, I've often said that the problem is not that we don't have a speaking God. The problem we, we have is that we've got a, a, a church that's not listening. Right? We don't have a, a, a God that doesn't speak. We've got a church that's not listening. God wants to speak to you. And he speaks to you in a variety of different ways. And I, I think he's, he's trying to talk to you in a number of ways. And one of the ways that he talks to you is through dreams and visions. I believe God wants to give you dreams, visions, supernatural ideas that you could never have come up with on your own. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. And so if you're a note taker, I'm, I'm encouraging you to do this. Take out your worship guide, pull out the notes inside there, and get ready to take some notes with us. Did you know this, that science will teach us, if you'll just write it down, that statistically you'll remember these points more so than if you just listen. And so that's why we have notes for you every single week. So take this out, write this down, number one in your notes, that dreams are the language of God. Did you know that? That dreams are the language of God. It's one of the many ways that God speaks to us. If you've said, I've never heard the audible word of God, I've never heard God's audible voice, but I have a God dream inside of my heart, then I believe you've heard from God. God speaks to us in his word. When you read, open up his word, that is a book that, in fact, it's 66 books that he wrote specifically for you. And he speaks to you right out of his words. He'll speak to you in prayer. And then one of the ways that he talks to you is through dreams and visions that he puts in your heart. And I believe, I personally believe that the level of these dreams operating inside of your life will determine how successful you are personally in your life. Let me show it to you. Proverbs chapter 29, 18 says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So God says where there's no dreams, the people are dying. And this, this is not like a, a physical death. This is like my marriage is dying. My emotions are dying. My aspirations are dead. My, uh, my hopes are gone. God says when the people lack dreams, then they start to die. This is one of the reasons why for the last several weeks we have been trying to clear those things out of your way, those things that, that will get you in the way of a God vision for your life. And we said you got to put some of those things down. Today I want to talk about something that you've got to pick up, and that is a God-sized vision, a God dream for your life. Well, the question is, well, how do we get it? Or how do we get it back if we've lost it? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today. And that, that passage of Scripture in Proverbs 29, I, I like the way the message version puts it. By the way, the, the message is, is like a, a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a true translation. But, but it will cause you to think about Scripture in a different way. And so the message version says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I like that. You know, actually, that, that, the word most blessed is a Greek word that means happiness in your soul. That's what we want for you. I, I want you to feel happiness in your soul. Don't you want that for yourself? Like, man, I, just, I, I have a happiness inside my soul. That's what we want for you. But he says if you don't know the vision of God, if you don't know the dreams, if you don't have the vision for God that God has for you in your life, you'll stumble all over yourself. You ever found yourself doing that? Like you, you're going in one direction, you're just kind of stumbling and not trying to figure out where you are. Any of you guys old enough to remember a time before GPS? Come on, raise your hand if you remember a time before Google Maps, right? Some of you young people are like, how did you find anywhere? Like, how did you go places? Well, we, we had a map. It was a physical map. And, uh, and if you wanted to zoom in, you just did this. Like, you just brought it real close to your face, right? And like, it was like a physical map. You had to, if you wanted to see where you wanted to go, you, you had to find the road with your head. You know, like that's how it did. And I'll never forget, I was, I was with my wife one time. We had a physical map and we had, 
plotted out where we were going. We were going a couple of hours away, and I'm, this is how old I am. I, I, we had a couple of CDs that we burned. Anybody remember burning CDs? You know, when you stole your music from Napster and you burned it? Come on. God forgave it for us. But, <laughs> but I had a couple of CDs that I had burned. Somebody is like, tell us more about the dinosaurs, Grandpa. But, but listen, there was, a, there was a time in your life where you had to use physical maps, and if you wanted to listen to music, you burned a CD, okay? Just talk to an old person. But me and Deborah, we were going on this trip. It was a couple of hours away. And uh, we had our plotted out, our, our, our map plotted out. We had our music in there, and we were just rocking out. Like we were, we were jamming out. It was like all the '80s and '90s hits that we loved, that we grew up with, and we were rocking out to them. And we're singing them. And it was one of those songs where, yeah, I sang my part, and then she sang her part. You know, it was like, no, the time of my life. And she's like, and I never felt this way before. And you're like, we're we're into it, man. You know what I mean? Like I'm rocking. Out. And then the next song would come on, and we're like, oh, we're having a moment. You know, like you're like, are you guys those people? Yes, we are those people. And you are too. I see you at the intersections. And so, so we're rocking out and we're singing and we're going along. We're having a great time in the song. And the next thing I know, we get to this intersection and I think, where are we? <laughs> like we were to- totally lost. We completely lost where we were. We knew where we wanted to go, but, but because of all the distractions, we lost track on where we were. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us. I think God has is, is given us a dream. Maybe God put a dream in your heart. And like two years ago, you could have said, I knew exactly where I was going. But now I look around in my life and I think, man, I don't even know how I got here. And I don't know where I'm supposed to be going next. And I think that that's what God wants to talk to you about today. Because if it, nowadays, if you were to plug something in your phone, you know what your phone would say? As soon as you get off target, it'd say, rerouting, right? And it'd just give you another direction. Or it'd say, proceed to the route. And any of your phones just say, go west? I'm like, what am I, Magellan? Where's west? Like, I don't even know. But your phone will try and get you back on target and back on track. I believe that's what God wants to do for you today, too. He wants to reroute you because God's got a great big vision for your life. I don't know if you know this, but God's got a dream that he put on in his heart for you that if you knew all the details, you would be shocked and amazed. This is how Jesus put it. In John 10, 10, he said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So in other words, God has a dream for you, and God wants you to be dreaming for yourself. God wants you to have these dreams. And I think if you're not dreaming, then that's one of the reasons why you may look around and go, I don't even know where I am right now, because you've lost the dream for your life. And God wants you to dream. And when you do dream, God says, man, now I can do more. The moment that you step out, some of us say, well, we've gotten too old. Like, I, I'm too old along this thing to have those silly dreams anymore. I'm, I'm too old along this path. I don't have those dreams in my heart anymore. I, I feel like people have lost their imagination. Have you noticed that? Like, m- people don't use their imagination like they used to. I just noticed it. Maybe it's because we have so many apps on our phone or we have so many videos. It's just like instant entertainment for us. But, but there's, there's like a lack of imagination in people now. They're just not using their imagine like they use, imagination like they used to. Anybody old enough that you had to play out? Outside for a while, yeah. I like I didn't have an iPad. I had an outside. You know what I'm talking about? Like my parents would kick me out. They would say, "Go and don't come back for like six hours." And we were we were just like, "Go." And they didn't care about axe murderers and kidnappers. They just said, "Get out! I, I, come! I, you'll know when I want you back." I was thinking about that the other day. Like, they had no way to contact us. Like, you were just gone. Like, if they wanted you, they just stepped outside and started yelling your name. And if you heard it, you came back. You know what I mean? Like, it was a crazy different kind of time there. I would go out from, from sun up to sun down, right? And I just had to be back before the what came on. The streetlights came on. Like, as long as you were back before the streetlights came on, you were okay. 
And, and, and like, like you had to use your imagination because while you were out there, you didn't have all that stuff. You just played with whatever you came up with and we used our imagination. It's like those of you that are parents, you ever, you ever put some effort and energy and time and maybe money into a gift for your kid and when you give it to them, like, like they open it up and then 10 minutes later, what are they playing with? The box! They're playing with the box! You're like, what are you doing? Like, there was a season in my life where I thought if I had just invested in cardboard, I could have saved a lot of money, and my kids would have had a blast with an amazing childhood because they would play with the box. I think that's what we do a lot of times. Like when you're a kid, you don't have to rely on all the stuff because you've got your imagination and you start using your imagination in all of these different ways. But when you're older, we start to rely on the accessories. right? And my walk with God and the dreams that I have in my life have a whole lot more to do with what God is doing in my life, and the house, and the cars, and the relationships, and, and we get so focused in on the box, and God says, man, I've got this incredible adventure for you. i got this thing that, that the, the creator of the universe will partner together with you on, and you're focused in on the box. I think so many times we get focused in on the, the box, and, and we, we stop, we've lost sight of the fact that, that God has a dream for a life, and it's become more about us. And maybe you're here today and you think, man, there was a time in my life I had a dream that I wanted to see God do something big in my life. I, I had this dream in my heart, but now I look back at my life and my dream's dead. Like the dream is gone and you're wondering if you can even get it back anymore. And, 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 and you're looking at the pieces of your life and you're saying, this is not how I expected this th thing to turn out, right? Raise your hand and be honest today. If you ever had a dream to die, you ever had a death? Yeah, there's lots of us. Raise our hand because we, we look at that and we say, man, I had this dream and it's dead now. Well, I believe God wants you to get that back. I, I really do. You, he wants you to get that back. If you've had that dream to die in your life, I, here's what God wants to do. He wants to give you a roadmap to find that dream again. And so I want to show it to you. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 37, 4, it says this, take delight in the Lord. Say those words. Say, take delight. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe this is actually a roadmap that God will show you. If you'll follow that, you can achieve a God dream in your life. Now, a lot of times that can be taken out of context, especially in the West. A lot of times we could read a verse like that and see, well, what that means is that if I just love God, he's going to give me everything I want. All the dreams that I've ever had in my heart, he just wants to bless me and give me all of that stuff. But the problem is that's not what the word is saying there. In fact, that word delight is a Hebrew word, and it actually means to be soft or pliable, to wait, to make your will moldable to the hands of God. So in other words, you might could say that verse today like this, if you will make yourself moldable in God's hands, he'll place his desires in your heart. See, God wants to put a, a, a giant dream inside of you. His dreams are bigger for you than the dreams that you have in your own heart. They're big. They're crazy. They're impossible dreams. That's what God has for you. And that's my question to you today. It's like, what is it that's in your heart? Use your imagination one more time. Reactivate that organ in your brain and just reanimate that thing, that desire, that passion in your heart. What is that thing that you would love to see God do? That if, you, that if he actually did it, if he actually stepped out and did that thing in your life, you would say, wow, that's incredible. But if you were honest with yourself, you'd say, but really, honestly, it's impossible. Like, that, that, that's impossible. Can I just tell you this? Our God is the God of the impossible. 
He loves to do the impossible. Our God is the, is the impossible God. Like if you looked up at his address, it'd be one, two, three, impossible road. I mean, like he's just an impossible God. This is the God that stepped out of nothing into nothing and out of nothing created everything. That's the God we serve. Our God is the kind of God that can reach into a deep, dark black hole and grab onto a door handle that's not there and open a door that doesn't exist and make a way where there is no way. That's the kind of God we serve. Our God is the impossible God. He loves to do the impossible and he wants to do the those impossible things in your life. And he wants to put that impossible dream in your heart. And God says, man, if you would just partner together with me on this, we could see the impossible become possible. You might be thinking manageable and measurable. And God says, that's cool. You can do that without me. You don't need me to do that. But if the, the moment that you would step out and dream for the impossible, that's the moment that God says, now I could get, I could get behind that because I can do something impossible if you'll trust me. In fact, I believe that when you'll start dreaming and believing in the impossible, God gets excited about that in your life. I think so many times, so often, we don't see, Christians don't see God doing impossible things in their life because they lack faith. They lack the faith to believe that our God is able to do that. That's why I want you to write this down. Number two in your notes, that dreams, you know what dreams are? Dreams are the target of faith. Uh, faith has to have a target. If there is no dream, and I want you to hear me on this, if there is no dream, there is no faith. Why? Because in order to, to use faith, you've got to have a target. You can't believe for nothing. You can't have faith for nothing. You have to have a target. I think there's so many believers out there that say they have faith, but the reality is that they really don't have faith. Because the moment that a challenging moment happens in your life, the moment that it gets difficulty, the road gets bumpy, a mountain appears, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to quit. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I, I, I want to quit. I want to, but that's right when faith is supposed to kick in. Faith is the thing that is supposed to be there to help you get over the mountain, to get through the difficult moment. See, like you might be saying, you don't understand. My marriage is dead. What if you started to believe God again? What if you believe God for greater things? You say, you don't get it, man. They kicked me out of college. I flunked out or I stopped going. What if you believe that God could do something powerful in your life? What if it was God that is able and he's waiting on you to do something incredible in your life, something greater than you could even believe right now in your current circumstances? What if that's it? Or what if it's the other side of things? Maybe you say, man, I'm so busy. I, I, my work, God has blessed us. I've been so successful at work that I just don't have time. I'd love to help out at the church. I would love to, to, when I see you guys serving on First Saturday Serve, I'd love to get out there and help you with it too, but I'm just so busy. I'd love to go on a mission trip, trip somewhere overseas and tell somebody about Jesus. I'd love to do that, but I'm just so busy. What if you prayed and believed and, and, and expected that God would promote you, that he'd promote you to where vice presidents are answering to you so you do have the time? I believe God's got that kind of a dream for your life. I believe you can believe again. I believe God wants you to dream bigger because God's got a big dream for you. What is faith? What, what, what is that? Maybe you're, you're new to this whole church thing and, and you're wondering, like, what, what exactly is that? Well, the Bible spells it out for us in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, the actual substance of faith is the dream. It's the target. He says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith needs a target. See, this church might only be one year old, but did you know we've been dreaming about this church for years? 
There was a time, years and years, we were praying and believing for, for moments like this. We'd gather together, like, like we were praying. And there were times in that dream where it didn't even seem like it would be a reality. There were moments where you go, like, I don't even know if this is going to happen. But we had to keep on pressing in and having faith. Do you know that God said it's impossible to please me without faith? See, because when you have faith, it says that God is big enough that he can do the things that, that, that he said he can do. And there's been moments in this church where we thought, man, I don't know if it'll happen if God doesn't show up. That's what God wants for you. See, I, I've been praying and believing for this church long before this church was ever a physical thing. And I continue to press in and pray. I, I believe that God, I've got dreams for this church to see God do incredible things. What if God used us to see poverty decrease in Chattanooga? What if we had a dream to believe that that the abuse rate and teen pregnancy could, could go down because of this church? What if marriages could be restored because of this church? What if we could see people overcome their addictions and, and, and prisons and jails be undercrowded because of this church? What if we could see God do something that's so incredible that we don't just make a difference right here in Chattanooga, but all around the world? I'm believing God can do those things. Yeah. Now, you might say, well, that, that sounds nice for a preacher to say. You, you ought to say those nice things, preacher. That, that's nice things. But, but I believe that God expects you to do those greater things. I believe Jesus wants you, expects you to exercise your faith in a way that you see things in this church, in your family, in this community, in your life that you go, I can't explain that. Let me, let me show it to you, because if you've got a problem with this, you've got to take it up with Jesus. Here's Jesus' words. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they'll do greater things than these. Greater things than Jesus? That's what he said, because I go to the Father. See, Jesus wants you to dream big. He wants you to think big. He wants you to dream big. And Why does he want you to dream big? Because number three in your notes, dreams have a tendency of coming true. They have a habit of coming true. God-sized dreams, dreams that God is behind, have a tendency of coming true. I love the way Jeremiah put it. Jeremiah said it this way. After witnessing something God had done, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, there is nothing too hard for you. Jeremiah got it. He said, There's nothing too hard for our God. If you ever face something and, and the immediate instant thought in your head is like, yeah, that's big, but man, that's impossible. That could never happen. You just need to reorient yourself like Jeremiah did and said, wait, there's nothing that's too impossible for God. God wants you to have big dreams because big dreams teach you to have faith and to trust in a big God. That's what big dreams do, especially when the odds are insurmountable. See, you should know this. You should understand this. God loves you. Man, he is for you. And the plans that he has for you are incredibly dynamic. They're incredibly big. They're incredible plans. If you really could see, and I believe one day you will, it may be on this side of heaven or it may be on the other side, that one day you'll get a glimpse of what God really had on his heart for you and you'll go, oh my gosh, did you really want to use me to do that thing? See, I believe God does some of his best work when there doesn't seem to be a way. When there seems like no way, there's no possible way we could get out of that. One of the, my favorite examples of this is in the book of John chapter 11. And it's the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Now, if you're not familiar with that story, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus. They, they were good buddies of his. And they got to a place where Lazarus got really, really sick. And Jesus and the disciples were out ministering somewhere else, and Mary had to send word to go tell Jesus because he, the, like Lazarus, his friend, had gotten real sick. And so he said, hey, go and tell Jesus, go tell him that, that Lazarus is really sick and he's got to come here. And, and, and if he doesn't come, in fact, it's gotten so bad, if he doesn't come, he's gonna, Lazarus is going to die. We'll, we'll read it together. In verse 4 it says, 
Um, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Now, I, I want you to like underline that, circle that. If you've got notes, if you've got your Bible out, you ought to circle that. We're going to come back to this because I want you to see how God's responding to this. It has a lot to do with how these dreams work. He says it's not going to end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through this. Everyone say God's glory. Now, I want you to watch this because in verse 5, it's going to teach us, it's going to show us why Jesus does what he does next. It's going to give us a clue into this. It says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus loved them. Like he was friends with them. They were, they were together. He loved them so much that verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It says, then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Like, wait a minute, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, he loved him so much? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, he loved, he said, Lazarus is sick, that he's not doing well. If Jesus doesn't come, he's going to die. And it says that he loved him so much that he didn't go for two more days. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I love you guys. If I found out you were sick and was like, hey, man, he's got a couple days to live, I'd drop what I was doing and go hang out with you. Like, I'd go see what was going on. But it says that Jesus loved them so much that when he heard Lazarus was sick, he said, guys, we'll get there when we get there. You guys want to go to Chick-fil-A? Like, it's my chicken anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Like, why did he do this? Like, why would it take him? Why would he intentionally stop instead of going to be with him? He spent two more days. Like, Jesus, Lazarus is going to die. Like, he's going to die if he doesn't show back up. And it says he loved him so much that he would wait. What is this showing us? I think what it's showing us is that God's glory and your comfort don't always go hand in hand. That there are times in your life where you will find that the glory that God is, see is seeking and your own comfort don't line up. And we are aggressively seeking comfort in America, right? Like in the West, we love our comfort. Like it's got to be, it's too hot. It's, it's too cold. It's too hard. It's too soft. It's not new enough. It's not good enough. It's not better enough. I want more of it and not enough of it. Like we are aggressively seeking comfort. And there are times that God is saying in these moments where, where your comfort and God's will, God's glory are not going to line up. And, and there's this thing that's, been, that's happened, and I, I don't know where it came from, but, but the 21st century church makes me a little nervous sometimes because there's this, this gospel that has been preached that says that God, it, it, that it's all about you, that God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you because he wants to praise you and lift you up and worship you and magnify you, and it's all about you. He wants to make sure all of your dreams come true and all your wildest thoughts about your life come true because God just loves you that much. Well, the truth is that that's, you've replaced God. With yourself. And that's not true. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is not about you. You're a part of the gospel. You're absolutely a part of the gospel. But the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about bringing glory to God. That's why He's God. And see, I, I think there's this misconception because when, when God doesn't show up the way that we think He should show up, Matt. Like, we have these moments where we get upset and angry with God. Like, God, you didn't show up. You didn't do what I thought you should do. So I get hurt, and I get burned, and I think, well, where is God in that anymore? Suddenly, I don't trust him anymore because God didn't respond the way I wanted, to, wanted him to. Well, the truth of the matter is he's God, right? And if he's God, he can do whatever he wants, and it's our job to bring glory to him. You ever see somebody that's going through a really difficult, tragic moment, like heartache, and they're able to still glorify God in the middle of it? And you look at them and you think, man, that's weird. Like, like, how are you able to glorify God in the middle of that difficulty? See, they've realized something, and that is that this life is not lived for them. 
Now, the the truth is, is I I believe that that God does want to bless you. He loves you. He does want to save you. He does want to bless you. He does want to take care of you. He wants you to live blessed. But here's the reason. He wants you to live blessed for his glory, not for yours, because he's God and you're not. Let me me, me kind of illustrate this for you. I, I got three kids. And what kind of a dad would I be if my 14-year-old son, who frequently asks for the keys to the car, Dad, can I get the car? Keys? Can I? You need, me, you need somebody to go to Walmart? I'm your guy. Let me have the keys, Dad. I'll just, I'll, I'll take the keys. Let me go. I'll go. I'll take the key. Constantly. He said, Dad, you preached all day. Let me drive home for you. I mean, he constantly wants me to t- give him the keys. Just throw me the keys, Dad. I got this. I'll take it. What kind of a dad would I be to throw the keys to my 14-year-old son who has no license and has no training? Do you think anybody would look at me and say, you know, what a good daddy he is? No, they'd say, that's a stupid dad, right? Like, don't do that. Why? Because he's going to crash into somebody or somebody else. He's going to ruin the truck. He's going to damage property. Like, that is not the thing that you want to do because he's got no training. He's got no skill. See, the, the last time I jumped in the vehicle with him, he nearly killed us both. Like, he, well, the last thing I need to do is throw him the keys, Right? Because the truth is, is I want him to, to be trained. I want him to be taught so that when he is licensed and he is driving, people will look at him and say that, that, man, you have raised that kid right. Boy, isn't he blessed to have a mom and a dad that loved him so much that he blessed him. See, the, the thing is, is God wants to bless you. And he wants to teach you and train you so that you can live for his glory. And, and, and this, this thought is like, like, if, if you don't get everything that you want, if God hasn't given you all of the desires that, that your little heart wants, it's a man-centered gospel. And I don't know why churches have pre- preached that, but it's, it's dangerous because that's not what God has said. Yes, he wants to bless you. Yes, he wants to give you great things for your life. But he wants to teach you and train you and use it for his glory. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, So whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Every one of us have got to do a live a life. If you've got a God-sized dream in your heart, you'll know it. It'll be, it'll be bringing glory to God. Look at Jesus. Jesus had to go through this himself. When he was facing the most difficult moment of his life, he was going to become sin for you and me. He was going to take that and be brutally beaten and abused, humiliated, stripped, and murdered, nailed to a cross. In the difficult moment of his life, this is what he said. He said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It's for this very reason I came to this hour. In fact, it goes on to say that God, uh, an audible voice of God says, my son's going to do this for my glory. And Jesus said, that was for you guys to hear, not for me. I know what I'm supposed to do. That there will be moments of difficulty. There'll be trials. There'll be challenges. There'll be moments that it doesn't all line up. But if you just decide that I'm going to begin living my life, not for my will, I'm going to give up my will for God's will. I'm going to give up my dream for God's dream. You know what will happen? You'll be part of a very elite group of people that realize that we're not living for this. We're not living for the box. We're living for something beyond. We're living for something past this. I'm not living for here. We're not living for this planet. Listen, I believe God wants you to be blessed here. And I believe he wants to bless you. And I believe that he wants to, I I, I mean, bless you in incredible ways. But he wants to do that because you're going to live beyond. You're living for his glory. He wants you to utilize the things that you have in this world, the friendships that you have for his glory, your family for his glory, because it's all about him, it's not about you. And the moment that you do this, the moment that you start living for God, you know what you'll see? The fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of those things that you want to see in your life, the love, the joy, 
the peace, the patience, the long-suffering, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, you'll start seeing this exhibited in your life. And, and you know what God will say? He'll say, you know what, I, I believe, look, here's, this, here's somebody that wants to live for my glory. I'm going to put my glory on them. And you'll find that you are blessed, and you find more and more of this stuff because God says, the moment that you start living for my dream and not your own is the moment that you're going to be blessed. He says, oh, you're going to live for my glory? Then I'm going to honor you. This is better preaching than you're, than you're responding. I'm preaching 92% better than you're responding. I'm going to tell you right now. And if I have to do like David did, I'll just jump down. David encouraged himself in the Lord. I'll jump down and say, come on, Pastor Tom. That's good stuff. I'll do it. I don't mind. Listen, God says he's got a God-shaped vision in your life. He wants to put it there. He wants to do something beyond you, and he does want to resource you, and he does want to bless you, and he does want to give you all of those things. Why? So you can bring about the glory of God. That's what God wants for your life. Let me show you the second half of the story. This is what happens. In verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So this tragedy brought a bunch of people. There's a bunch of people coming up. I think that has something to do with what God's going to do next. A lot of people came and they said, Mary, Martha, I'm so sorry, what's going on? And so they come and a crowd gets gathered around them and look what happens. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Why? She was frustrated. She was upset. Jesus didn't do what she thought he should do. He didn't do what she wanted him to do. But Martha says this, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, she was hurt. She was upset. She, she said, Jesus, you're, you're his friend. right? If You should have showed up. Like, surely at some point along this process, those messengers that she sent out came back to her and said, well, she said, well, did you tell Jesus? And, and they said, yeah, we told him. What did he say? He said, well, all right, well, that's cool. I'll, we'll be there when, we be, when we're there. right? We'll get there when we get there, right? And, and they, why didn't he, he come right then? She must have been frustrated in this. Martha is hurt too because her dream and God's plan were two different things. And sometimes that will be the case in your life, that your dream and God's plan is something different. Now remember I said that you, you were supposed to circle that passage of Scripture and we're going to come back to it? We're, we're going to come back to it right now. Because remember, Jesus said he, his, this is not going to end in his death. Uh-oh, who's going to tell Jesus? <laughs> like, but Jesus, he's dead, right? He, he's, he is dead. Je, Jesus, Lazarus died. Well, either Jesus was a liar or he was confused or mixed up or, or his definition of death and your definition of death are not the same thing. That's what was going on. Because Jesus says, listen, whenever you say it's over, I don't say it's over. When you say it's beyond being fixed, Jesus says, I can work on that. Jesus says, I don't care how bad you feel like it's messed up. I can take that mess up and make it your ministry. I can make it your story. I can take that test that you're going through and turn it into a testimony. I can take whatever it is that you're facing today, and I don't care how bad it looks, God can make a way where there is no way. That's what he's saying in this moment. And I'm telling you right now, he said, listen, Martha, your dream's got to die so that my dream could live. And that's exactly what Martha starts to figure out. I want you to see what Martha does. She does something so unique. Her strategy about this all changes. Watch what it says. Because she doesn't get bitter, she starts to get better. She starts to choose to put her faith in God. She says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God, you will give, God will give you whatever you ask. 
Do you see the strategic change? Do you see the difference in it? She says, well, see, so, so many of us get stuck in the, the first part. God, if you had done this, if you would have showed up, then my brother wouldn't have died. Then my dream wouldn't have died. Then my plan wouldn't have died. Then my hope wouldn't have died. Then the thing that I wanted to achieve would have happened. The, the stuff that I expected would have gone down. If you'd have just done what I thought you should have done, God, then this would have worked out this way. So many of us get stuck there. But Martha makes a shift, and it's pivotal. And I think if we learn this, it'll change something for you. It'll put a dream inside your heart. Martha goes from me and my to you. She says, not my plan, your plan. Not my purpose, your purpose. Not my dream, your dream. Not my will, Lord, your will. You can do anything, God. That's what Martha says. And did you notice what she said? She said, whatever you ask. You know, she didn't even tell him what to ask. She didn't say, Jesus, what you should do is tell him to get back up. Like, that, that's what you should do. She just leaves it up to Jesus. She says, Jesus, whatever you ask. And because she puts her faith in God, now God starts dreaming for her. Look at what happens in verse 23. He speaks to her. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. See, Martha's dream was that her brother wouldn't die. Jesus' dream was that her brother wouldn't die. He would be raised back to life again. See, Martha's dream was this big. God's dream was big enough that we're still talking about it 2,000 plus years later. God's got a vision. God's got a dream for you. It may look dead. It may look beyond the hope. But God says, if you'll trust me, if you'll just hand me your dream, and, and then let me give you a dream, you'll see something incredible. Now watch, this is where it gets really, really good. Check this out. It says, when he said this, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know, some theologians say that he had to tell, call him by name because if he had stepped up and just said, come out, then every dead person on the planet would have stood up because God's got that kind of power. But instead, he said, he knew what he was doing. He said, Lazarus, come out. And then what happens? The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped up in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, that's interesting to me because, because my, my, listen, Lazarus comes out and he's like a mummy, right? He's all wrapped up. He's like, and Jesus says, take the strips off him. Take the clothes off. Take those grave cloths. Now, the same Jesus that just raised a guy from the dead, if he's able to do that, he could have took all of the strips of cloth. He could have had Lazarus come out and go, ha, ha, right? But he didn't. He had him come up dressed like a mummy. Why? Because he said, I want you to put your hands on the miracle. Sometimes God will make a miracle and he'll let you unwrap it. That's what God wants to do for you today is that you might be facing something that it doesn't seem like there's any way out of this. I don't know if God could come out of this. God wants to create a miracle in your life that's bigger than you could ever expect and he wants to let you be the one to unwrap it. See, the truth of the matter is God will create miracles in your life if, if you'll dream again. If you'll stop and you'll just say, God, I want to dream again. God, I want you to give me hope again. God, I want to believe again. God, you, you say, well, you don't understand, man. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah, dream again. You don't know what I'm going through. God says, yeah, dream again. You don't know the mistakes I'm in. God says, that's perfect. Just dream again. You don't understand the mess that I'm in. God says, I can make a mess your message. I can take a test and make it your testimony. If you'll just dream again, I'll make the misery that the, the devil meant to destroy you. It'll become your ministry. That's what God wants to do for you. If you'll dream again. And God says, in order to do that, in order to realize that, you've got to put your faith in me. Something incredible happened that day. A dead man came back to life. And can I tell you something? The same miracle and greater miracles can happen today. Why? Jesus said it could. I believe it. 
I trust him. I believe that a miracle can happen today, that you could dream again, that you could hope again, that a dead circumstance could come back to life, that a dead relationship could come back to life, that no matter what it is you're facing today that seems impossible, our God can do it. And I don't know if you've been dreaming, but I've been dreaming for you. I don't know if you've been praying, but I've been dreaming and praying for you. I believe that God can take you out of that pit and blow your mind if you'll just let him.